Support for the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. Gentlemen, shaving your downstairs area can be difficult, but those troubles are a thing of the past with Manscaped's Lawnmower 3.0. Featuring skin-safe technology, it glides nice and smooth, so you're not in any danger of nicks and cuts to your delicate downstairs area. It also has a convenient LED light, so you can see where you're trimming, plus it's waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. I've been using mine for a few weeks now, and it's awesome. It works great, and it will totally change your grooming game. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes included in the Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Crop Reviver and Crop Preserver anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. Get all these great products, as well as a super comfortable anti-chafing boxers, plus a great travel bag to carry it all in. The Perfect Package is valued at over $150, but right now you can get it all for just $89.99. Manscaped features some of the perfect gifts to give to the men in your life. Gift your friends, your family, and yourself the gift of Manscaped. Right now, when you go to manscaped.com, you can use the code BABBLE and get 20% off plus free shipping. That's BABBLE, B-A-B-B-L-E, for 20% off your order and free shipping. Manscaped, your balls will thank you. Seventy-ninth episode of the Bronx Bomber Babble podcast. Uh, today we got Andrew, Matt, and long time since he's been on. But uh, welcome back, Gus. What's going on, Gus? Not much, guys. I'm uh, happy to be here. It uh, should be a good one. Yeah, Yankees baseball is back. We got our, our first two games uh, the last two days. Not hold really on, much in- hold on, hold on. Let's not get carried away here. We we totally like don't give this the excitement that it's that it's due. The Yankees played baseball. The Yankees played baseball. That's awesome. Baseball is officially back. Yeah, I was kind of glazing over that a little bit, wasn't I? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Baseball still, was on our television set yesterday. And today. It's still kind of sinking in, you know, but it, yeah, definitely. If you kind of stop and take a minute and, and think about that and how long it's been um, and and what happened in the offseason uh, and, and how we're getting here, uh, it's definitely, it's it's great. I, I got to tell you, when that, that first yes intro theme hits, it's oh, different, right? Dude, so people good. taking like hype dance videos or whatever, like people acting crazily and putting it to the yes music is it's, it's top. It, love it's, it. it's, it's top tier internet content. It really is. I love it. Uh, you always get a, a I don't want to say classic. I don't want to say lame. It's kind of somewhere in a, in a third world. Uh, Michael K intro. You know, he always has to have a monologue at the first game. Like, it's been a long, cold winter in the face of everything we're dealing with in the world right now. We have never been more excited for spring training. And I was, I, mean, I actually, when he said that yesterday, I was like, bullshit, I'm this excited every single time spring training rolls around. Like, <laughs> I get, I get the conditions we're dealing with the past year and a half, but like, it's spring. Every new season is, is hope springs eternal. Yeah. And the Yankees do seem like, I mean, I, I think everyone, in the baseball world, especially now that they're going to have fans in at least limited numbers, but you know, p- players are getting FaceTime with fans again. Like that's all exciting, but I feel like the Yankees are like really fired up this year because they, they feel like they have a, a damn good shot to go to the world which, series, which you can say every year. Right. But I think it's at a point where we're kind of just over being a bridesmaid and never bride. Right. Um, they even mentioned today, 
because they were playing the Tigers and AJ Hinch is their manager. And they're like, oh, it's still a sore spot. I'm like, damn right, it's still a sore spot, right? We're, we're talking about three and a half years ago. Man, like, I'm just about that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I mean, I, tired of, of finishing right there and not getting over the hump every year. It's four years in a row now. Like, this is yeah. the year. And and you hear those new guys that we'll, we'll get to definitely, uh, some of those veteran uh, invites like Bruce and, and Dietrich talk about how they want to win a World Series and they think that playing with the Yankees is one of the best ways to do so. So the players know it. Obviously, we know it. Everybody in the organization knows it, that it's it's go time. You know, this is your window and it's time to go. So there's definitely, there's definitely that feeling of urgency. Yeah. I think there's a few layers to that one, I'm just going to say as an aside, I will never not be mad about what the Astros did. So that will always be a sore spot for me anyway. But like, of course. you know, I mean, if the, we start talking about that, we'll be here all night. So no, I mean, you know, greatest cheating scandal in modern era, et cetera, et cetera. You know, we've been down that road. It's just, I'll, I'll, not, I'll always be mad about it. But like, yeah, I think um, Cashman had said whatever it was, some couple of years ago like we envision being able to win multiple championships and you know here we are and they haven't won one yet so like it's the the collection of talent is incredible but at some point you got to win otherwise this collection of talent isn't going to exist anymore and you're gonna have to try again so like it's it's time to do it right the famous cashman line uh we're talking about championships not championship well it's getting to a point where we, we got to win that first one or else the window is just we we hope to win one, right? That the, the window for, for multiple championships has to kind of get going right now. All right, but let, let's let's pick up where we left off uh, last podcast. Uh, we mentioned Brett Gardner. Is he going to come back? I don't think it's much of a surprise, at least not for me, but maybe for uh, for either you guys, certainly potentially our listeners, but obviously Good the back. Yankees brought back <laughs> Brett Gardner. Um, you know, a low lower AAV than I thought he'd be looking to take. Obviously, they did the same thing they've been doing with him with options, and um, they they structured his deal similar to the Wilson deal, right? Where there's um, a player option. If the player opts out or the player declines the option, then, then there's a team option. But the team options for more than the player options, so I, I don't see why the <laughs> the team would take them back unless they were really really good. And if that's the case, the only reason the player declines their option is hoping the team would pick it up and they'd get more money. Like they're just gambling on themselves at that point. Um, but spoiler alert, Brett Gardner's back. Gardner, like the Guardy bang. You talk about like AAV. I mean, I feel like Yankee fans were pretty confident that it was just going to happen eventually, which is, I mean, obviously it did, but like, I wonder since he made it all the way to the, whatever, the very eve of spring training, I wonder if, he even had very many serious conversations with other teams at all, or if he just kind of went and did due diligence and had conversations. And I was kind of was just like, whatever, I'll be back with the Yankees. Well, I'm sure that's it. Right. I think he mentioned that in his press conference, uh, the first day he was at camp that, you know, they maybe started to engage other teams, but it was still a passive, like he knew this is where he wanted to be. If the Yankees absolutely put their foot down, they weren't bringing him back the best interest of his career and his family. He'd, you know, look for another contract, but I don't think he was ever really serious um, as long as the Yankees were still on the table. And of course, Brian Cashman came knocking, signed on the dotted line, and here we are. Brett Gardner being on a team that isn't the Yankees just doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense at this point. You know, when you think about uh, him being now 
holdover uh, from the last World Series in 2009. And Clint Frazier has talked uh, a lot about how much of a positive that Turner specifically, but I think the whole team can can really benefit from that presence still being in that clubhouse. And it's a different dynamic this year, right? I mean, it's very clearly established that Clint's the starting left fielder. Brett's there for a left-handed bat off the bench, defensive replacement, occasional spot starts. I mean, I get it's what we've been hoping for him the past few years where they sign into this kind of deal, hoping he starts 40, 50 games. He ends up starting like 100. <laughs> I think this year is really yeah. the year. Again, barring injuries, knock on wood. But the Yankees are going to be committed to that. I mean, you want to see what, what Clint can do in a full season because last year was so promising. Aaron Hicks finally said today that he fell, feels 100% healthy um, from his, his 2019 Tommy John surgery. He said he was playing through pain last year. Uh, and then he was talking with, uh, with, with Kay and Cohen today. I think he said that he's looking to hit, what, like 30-plus home runs if he can get 500 or more at-bats. He thinks the power is there. He feels healthy. He doesn't feel restricted from the surgery anymore. So that's something to look forward to. Again, with him and Judge and Stanton, it's always going right. to be injuries, right? But I, I think more. Gardner has his role firmly established this year as the fourth, if not fifth, outfielder. And he's going to be there for you know, whatever he can contribute. Speed, defense, veteran presence, whatever it may be. I mean, yeah, I think I, I need to say, especially because I have personally said these things on this show, like Gardner comes back for a few dollars and, oh, this is going to be it for Clint. He's going to get his opportunity and lo and behold, injury or whatever. And, you know, Gardner starting every day and, you know, we're all mad about it because I've said it and I have been mad about it, but like, what can you do? Judge gets hurt for a chunk of time or Hicks or whatever, you know, Stanton got hurt for large portions of the last couple of years and you can't do anything about that. Like Gardner is there and he's healthy and he just played. So I think it's important to note that the Yankees did say like Clint Frazier has earned his opportunity to be a starter. And that's a departure of the pecking order from the last couple of years as it relates to Gardner. Right. All right. Well, well let, let's get into, I guess, some, some first impressions from camp. Uh, last, last time we recorded, we were, I think the first day, second day, pitchers and catchers. Uh, we've actually seen some live game action now. Uh, so, so what, what do we think? I mean, Mike King started the first game yesterday. Didn't look that great. Important thing is that he came through it healthy. Uh, obviously there's one bit of injury news already course talk about clark schmidt had a, an extensor strain in his they said it's his arm and then later they said it's his elbow it's not ligament ucl related though uh, we did get some good news over the weekend that it wasn't as bad as they originally forecasted i think the original uh, timetable was three to four weeks shut down and then he's gonna have to build up again so there was no chance he was making the opening day roster at this point they they kind of reduced it now to what two to three weeks uh, he still probably will be a long shot to to make the opening day roster, but it doesn't seem like it's that bad of an in, injury. So uh, King didn't look super sharp yesterday. Uh, again, neither really did. Did I was gonna say Cole didn't look sharp today. He, he his stuff looked sharp. His control wasn't there, but I mean that's what you get first time. Guy takes the man right in spring training. So I mean, what yeah, are you guys first impressions really... on on King and Cole? <laughs> King Cole. I almost feel bad for King to have to make the first start of spring training. It's the first start. Like, they've been in camp for a week. Yeah, um, and 
Chashin as well uh, didn't uh, impress a ton either. Tyone was was good though. I thought JMO in his first action, um, and I saw a, a pretty cool uh, video on Twitter showing he's got a, a much shorter arm action now uh, than compared to before he had uh, the Tommy John last time he pitched in. Uh, I think it was eighteen. So good to see him get out there as well. Yeah, he he talked about that with. Uh, I believe he he spoke with Lindsey Adler uh, like a, a day or two after he got traded to the Yankees. Uh, so what was that back in December? Um, or, or maybe it was, I feel like it was the day of an NFL playoff game. So it was probably in, in January, but he, he remodeled his, his pitching motion similar to Lucas Giolito. We saw what, what Giolito has been able to do uh, the past few years. So that's certainly encouraging. And what he had a seven pitch one, two, three inning today. Awesome stuff from him. Uh, what was all that funny business that went on? They said like he had to finish off in the bullpen, like a super cringe quote. I don't really know exactly what it means, but that was for a good laugh today. Um, and yeah, Cole was very, very excited and praised him. He was very excited that that Tyon got on there, you know, got out there and pitched well. So that was pretty cool. Right. And speaking of Cole, I mean, he didn't dominate in his first inning of work today. He he did give up a run. Uh, through what, like 25 pitches, which is not ideal, but it's again, first outing. Who really cares? I mean, but, honestly, but I was impressed with his, his, his off speed stuff looked sharp. So that's there. He was, he was hitting mid nineties on his fastball. I think it's, I think the, who was it? Was it Candelario hit that ball to the, the wall that, that Bruce caught? I think that was like his first pitch of the game it was 97. So I mean, his arm's fine. <laughs> the most noteworthy thing about Garrett Cole is how absurd people reacted to him being rusty in a spring training game. Yeah, I think it was worse last year, right? He he had a couple. I think his first outing or two was pretty good, and then he had that disastrous start against. Again, we played the Tigers today, so he faced last year. Uh, Cabrera took him deep twice. Uh, that guy whose name escapes me again, Travis Demerit, took him deep twice. They they literally went back to back in the first and then the second inning. Uh, those two guys, <laughs> and I remember it was you know the first year of Cole's contract. People were like, "What the hell did?" Damaged goods. I mean, but this is what Cole does. Uh, we don't really have the record of it in a Yankee uniform because last year was interrupted by the stop of spring training and then the pandemic shut down and then the shortened season. But I think if you, even if you go back to his two years in Houston, his numbers through April and maybe the first week or so in May are, are decent. And then after that, they're un, you know, unbelievably good. So he, he takes a while to warm up. So if he's sporting a four year A through his first four or five starts this year, it's not really a cause of concern, right? As yeah, long as he's healthy, it. it's this is what he does. Yeah, yeah. Not that. Uh, I mean, no. Sorry. Go ahead. His uh, his nineteen. Um, just looking at it here. If you kind of go by month, yeah. Here we go. So, yeah, April, March, three nine five, May four thirteen. This is the ERAs, and then June, uh, one eight nine, July one eight five, hmm. and then August he fell back to earth a little bit. Two three six. So definitely ramps up. Yeah, (laughs) definitely ramps up as the season wears on. Is that for his Um, whole career or just? No, this this was just twenty. This was just twenty nineteen. Okay. Um, the year that he should have won the Cy Young. I mean, dude, he led the majors in pitching in pretty much every category that actually matters. He also went unbeaten for like like however many straight months, right? Like. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I mean, no. you just talk about a different level that he found that year. 
Yeah, I, I mean, just well, just right right or out of the baseball back the baseball card, right? Because they gave it because Justin Rolander threw a no hitter, so they gave it to him instead. And because of he wins, also right? got he more, wins. more wins. Yeah, he got yeah. more wins. But but if you if you look at the 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 back of the baseball card stats, right? Garrett Cole led not the American League, Major League Baseball in ERA, strikeouts, ERA plus, FIP, which is a, another pitching statistic um, similar to TRA. I, this guy flat out dominated end to end, right? He hit his hit a whip under 0.9. So he's letting nine guys on base for every 10 innings pitched, like complete and utter domination. Um, of course he deserved the sign, but neither here nor there, whatever. I mean, um, yeah, like there's probably a lot of cost the sport to sign him, right? Had he had a Cy Young trophy yeah, maybe. On, on his ledger. So I mean, whatever. I mean, how the hell much more could he have asked for? Like, <laughs> that's true. Well, I mean, there's, that's Trevor I mean, Bauer, there's right? stuff about like, there's stuff about the season about last season that you can make note of. Like, obviously you don't want to just be like, Oh, it's, it doesn't, it didn't matter. Like it was his first season with the Yankees and he pitched pretty well for the most part. Like, but it was obviously a regular. The schedule was out of whack and whatnot. So, like, I think if you're looking at 2019, that's probably a pretty good marker in terms of what you can expect coming to the season. And all that to say that I don't care that he didn't pitch well in his first spring training game. It's spring training. Like, that's why it's I wouldn't even for. say he pitched poorly. He just didn't dominate, right? I mean, it's <laughs> it's whatever. I, I, I said it today. Uh, I tweeted out, like, spring training results. Again, obviously, the the caveat there is if there's injuries or something disastrous happens, then maybe they matter. But I mean, if if Aaron Judge hits 150 this spring and doesn't hit a home run, are we really concerned? As long as he's healthy and he's seeing the ball well, he's making hard contact, right? Like you know, he's going to hit when the season starts. Like so, stats like that don't counting stats don't matter in spring training. It's really just getting yourself ready for the start of the season. But moving into the hitting department. Um, we, the Yankees didn't do much first half of the game yesterday. We got two home runs late from Rob Brantley, which, by the way, so hilarious that some people on on those Facebook groups that are awful were already ready to crown him the new starting catcher over Gary Sanchez because he hit a spring training home run in the first game of spring training. Um, <laughs> Talkman went deep, too, so that was nice to see. But let's talk about it today. Guys, what do we think about <laughs> the, the home runs from Gary Sanchez? And hard-hitting Chris Gittens. I wonder what those same people are saying today now that Gary Sanchez hit a home run of his own. Oh, it doesn't matter. He's fat and lazy, even though he's in, like, the best shape of his life. I mean, do we know if those baseballs have landed yet? I mean, goodness me. Uh, Just two titanic home runs. Um, And, yeah, Gary, I mean, it's good. You know, you you mentioned Talkman uh, hitting that home run. Finally, he, he said, I think he, he said he's figuring out his timing issues. Um, and Gary actually went to uh, this guy. Uh, this was uh, written by. Uh, yeah, this is this is a Brandon Cootie story. Uh, Theo Asin, who is a former uh, semi-pro hockey player and uh, speed skater, which, you know, you don't see a lot of overlap between those sports and baseball. No. But uh the routines focus on mobility, flexibility, and injury prevention. So incorporating like uh, we saw Judge and, and Stanton saying they were doing yoga and now Gary's doing some, you know, like body weight and kind of core and hip uh, movement stuff that he went there before uh, he reported to the DR for winter ball and then spent uh, five days a week uh, for two hours uh, right before spring training um, and I think he looks good, and clearly uh, the swing is still there. So, some changes in the uh, the ramp up routine, and you know we'll see where it takes him. 
but like with Gary, that, it's no. always about it's about timing and about not swinging out of his shoes, right? It, we never we're never going to be concerned about his ability to hit hit the baseball, like make contact and and to drive it with authority when he makes contact. It's the making contact part that's the question. Yeah, I mean, I definitely like that. Like, I mean, and I mean, I haven't seen them. Thank goodness, I don't go looking for the stupid comments as best I can. But like, you know, I can't wait until it, you know makes its way in front of my eyeballs where people say like, oh, he's out of shape or whatever. Like, look at him. He's clearly very fit right now. And like he's making an effort to, let's say, go about it in an unconventional way to unlearn or to relearn or learn differently from a completely different source. A guy who's a speed skating ice hockey coach or, you know, whatever, like someone who has maybe more of um more familiarity with explosive movements and that sort of training so like that's all good i mean it's i just i don't i get why people are mad because hot takes and whatnot but like he's he's making an effort like he had a really bad season and he did some some something different to try and remedy that like good for him which is all you can do if gary's sitting there doing the same shit year after year results aren't aren't getting any better you you know what you're you're getting from him, but I think he's really taken not only his, his shitty season last year, but being benched in the playoffs. I think he's really taken that personally, as he should. Right, this is a guy who was was crowned the the future backstop for for the next decade just a few years ago. By 2020, had already lost his starting role in the playoffs. Wasn't the primary catcher for the team's ace. I mean, that that's that's all slaps right to his ego, right? So I'm glad he's taken his health and conditioning serious. I'm glad he he spent time in the Dominican Winter League this year to get extra hacks, and especially after a shortened season. I don't want to make any grand projections of what he's going to do this year, but it's good that he's taking his career seriously, and we can only hope that we're going to get better things from him moving forward. Uh, I do want to pivot, though, real quick to, to Chris Gittins because it's a name that a lot of people may not know. He's only played as high as A, And, of course, last year didn't get to play at all because the minor league season was completely washed out. But it's a guy who, I mean, they gave him the name uh, hard-hitting Chris Gittins. I think he actually even uses it in his Twitter handle right now, who back in 2019 with the Trenton Thunder, rip to the Trenton Thunder, hit 23 home runs in, in just 115 games. This guy's got worlds of pop. And now he may still be a year or two away from making any major league impact. And the Yankees don't necessarily need another power hitting, right-handed hitting first baseman because they have Luke Voigt, right? But you don't want to turn turn your back on or, or count down, count off any any talent like this at such an early age. Chris Gittin hit a ball that, like I said earlier, I'm still not convinced has landed. Definitely saw two of the longest, two of the longer home runs you'll see at Steinbrenner Field were hit today. So kudos to those guys. And outside of that, I mean, I don't think there's much else uh, of significance that that happened in today's game. I mean, we did see um, Albert Abreu came in and pitched. Uh, Nick Nelson pitched with two innings. He looked really good. Yeah, and... I, uh, I've been hoping. So, you know, the, Cl- the Clark injury kind of put a, a, a damper in that. But I've been hoping uh, because we saw what the Dodgers did with their bullpen. If you can find a couple of those live arms that don't, you know, and and every pitcher, you know, if whether they're comfortable adjustment or not, find those guys who can move. You can move into the bullpen, and you can get. You just tell them to empty out the tank for 25, 30 pitches. You saw what 
May and Grouterol and uh, Rios, who really seemed like he took to it really well, uh, were capable of doing in the playoffs for the Dodgers. So, you know, I thought if if you could find a couple of those guys, you know, maybe not, obviously not on the level of uh, of the arms of, of Gratterall or May, but guys with that same kind of mentality and similar type of, of stuff that, that can be pretty effective because, I mean, you saw, and obviously no off days in the playoffs affected that, but you saw how much that bullpen was tested last year. The, the, the bullpen thing was twofold, obviously, because like in recent years you lost like Dylan Adovino was a shell of himself. Like, you know, the depth wasn't there. And then also some of the off day stuff. Like I think having the, the full like regular length season, more days, more games, more normal routine, and you'll maybe have a chance, more of a chance for guys like Nelson or whoever they may be to, you know, get in more games and establish themselves, find themselves a role. I think the nature of last year's shortened season and then going right into the postseason and expanding postseason at that lended itself to teams kind of going, you know, balls to the wall, empty the tank, like us alluded to with with some of your your higher end caliber arms that you would probably prefer pitch maybe longer relief or potentially in a starting role. I, I don't think teams are going to have that luxury this year. If we play a full 162 games, you, you're going to have to really manage your bullpen like you would in any normal season. I think last year is going to be an aberration, but to that end, I think almost inversely what the, what the Dodgers did with a guy like, like Urias, maybe the Yankees might be looking to stretch out Nick Nelson because he did throw two innings today. And, and I think he threw, 30 pitches, something in that range. Now, is he still destined for, for middle relief? Probably, but I could potentially see if they want to, if, especially if they lose faith in a guy like King to be a starter and Schmidt is hurt or doesn't develop the way they need to. Maybe they kind of pivot to a piggyback situation and they have Nick Nelson go for two or three innings to start games. Uh, I think with expanded rosters this year, and I say expanded rosters for a, full season, right? This will be the first season when major league rosters are more than 25 men for a full 162 game season. You have extra arms in the bullpen, maybe the Yankees and, and the way that Aaron Boone likes to manage these games, we kind of saw them tinker with it in 2019. They'll use either six man rotations or they'll try to mix in four starters in a piggyback situation. So it will be interesting to see what, what we get from those guys, because I think the only firmly established pitchers in the rotation right now are, Cole, Kluber, Tyone, and then Severino when he comes back. You'd think Montgomery's probably a safe bet. Um, I, I, I'd buy that if, that if that's what, you, what you're selling me. But the fifth starter, at least until Severino comes back, and even then who knows what you're going to get with him, is going to be a question mark. So is it going to be Davey? Is it going to be Montgomery? Is it going to be a mix of some of the younger guys like King or Schmidt? I, I don't think we really know. We're going to have to see how this spring plays out. I think they have so many guys, like so many young guys who can start that, yeah, it's hard to really say. Like you, I'm not sure they might be leaning one way or the other, but like they have so many guys who could put pitch out of the bullpen and, you know, make starts that it's hard to say beyond those few guys that you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we, we don't have too much to, to, to go off of just these, these two games here. And obviously we, we can look ahead to, what the Yankees are going to be doing in the next few days. Just about an hour ago, we're recording this Monday night. Brian Hoke tweeted the the roster for who's going to be traveling 
to face the Orioles tomorrow. You look up and down there, there's, you know, the usual suspects. You guys, you have obviously DJ, Glaber, Voigt, Frazier, Judge, Talkman, Green, and Montgomery are all going. But I'm looking at the catchers. It's Higashioka and Anthony Siegler's on on list. And we haven't really seen him at all. He was drafted, what, 2017, I want to say. Um, and, and then we actually, I mean, we saw Austin Wells play today and he's a 2020 draft pick as a catcher. So uh, I'm curious to see what, what we get from, from Siegler. He'll probably won't start, but you know, there's some other names in here that, that are interesting that I'd like to see Oswald Peraza, who's the youngest player on the the, the spring roster in, in all of camp, who who's going to be traveling. I think he's what he's only 20 years old. Right. And he's our, our number one shortstop prospect in the organization. Uh, and, and so th- this is really the, the time, the first week or so of spring training where you're going to see a lot of fringe guys get a lot of playing time and then they'll kind of hone it in later on. But this is a good, good opportunity, especially without having the luxury of a minor league season last year to re-familiarize yourself with, with some players in our system and see who might be you know, in the pipeline for the next two or three years. Yeah. And then uh, another name that you see on this traveling list is, uh, Mike Ford and one of the emerging stories that we didn't really know about until the uh, camp roster was revealed that uh, the Yankees brought in a couple more uh, big lefty bats, a couple of established big leaguers as, uh, in uh, and Jay Bruce and Derek Dietrich, who we have, have seen play the last couple of days. And you think that's got to put some pressure on Mike Ford? Yeah, for sure. Mike Ford and, and Mike Talkman, right? Uh, yeah. Because guys like Dietrich and Bruce are flexible Dietrich can also play the, um, you know, up the middle. He plays second, third, first, or outfield. Uh, Bruce, primarily a right fielder, left fielder, and and he can play first base as well. But yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how much pressure that that puts on on Ford and Talkman, and if the Yankees would be willing to part ways from them. Should a guy like Jay Bruce or Dietrich just light the world on fire this spring? All right, those guys have a world of pop. Jay Bruce is. We talked about it on the last podcast. It feels like he's been around in big leagues forever. Uh, I think he's only what 33, 34 years old still. But I mean, him and, and Dietrich is just shredded to, to yeah. So these are guys who who still have a lot left to to give. And if they force the Yankees' hands, there may be some surprising roster moves uh, ahead of uh, the start of the regular season. I mean. Like, I don't know. I don't ever want to, like, advocate for anyone losing their job. But, like, I've not really ever been impressed by what Mike Ford offers. Like, I feel like those other guys who are much more established big leaguers, at the very least, I wouldn't even hate taking a flyer, even if you make a roster move or whatever, something happens. But, like, I'm just, I have been so thoroughly unimpressed by Mike Ford as even a rotation, you know, bench player. Which is funny because he was one of the fan base's favorite players, almost like, like a cult hero, right? In 2019, uh, he had that, I don't know, if, I don't remember if it was a, it was a walk-off home run or just a game-tying home run in, against uh, Oakland late in the year. Yeah, I think it was a walk-off. Yeah, and yeah, so he had, right, I think what did DJ tie the game, right? And then Ford walked it off. The, uh, so we, we had... It seemed like any time he came up to the plate that year, he he came through. And that was the year that uh, Voigt was missing time because he had the, the core injury, right? So that's what propelled Ford to get uh, more playing time, so much so that they, correct me if I'm, if, I'm, if I'm wrong here, but 
he he was the, the first baseman in the playoffs, right? Because they they still kept Voight out. Uh, Voight didn't play at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I mean, the fan base loved Mike Ford, and he came crashing back to earth last year. But again, so did Mike Talkman. It's a guy who you look at. If you just want to look at baseball reference, right? I believe, I know at one point in the year, I, I'm speaking off the cuff here. I'd have to double check it. But Mike Talkman had comparable war in 2019 to Bryce Harper, right? <laughs> and then yeah, certainly yeah, not that level that. player last year. So there is an opportunity for guys like Dietrich and Jay Bruce. I, let me just say, good on Jay Bruce for for coming to, to the Yankees. I, I know he said he wanted to, to win a championship, there were certainly other opportunities should he wanted to sign with a team like, I don't know, the Astros or the Dodgers or the Padres or whoever might give him an opportunity. Jay Bruce, I only mention this because he got absolutely hounded by our fan base in the 2017 ALDS when he was with Cleveland. And that was the year that we were going to trade for him for the Mets. And then the Mets kind of pulled the rug out from us and they sent him to Cleveland. If you go back and you watch those two home games, games three and four, the ALDS, you could just hear the entire right field corner of, of the stands just go, Jay Bruce sucks. Jay Bruce sucks. <laughs> the entire game. And he even spoke out about it afterwards. He's like, fans, their fan base needs to do better. Like, that's on call for. I mean, they weren't saying like really offensive things to him, but it was just like at a point where he kind of he kind of got, you know, enough of this. So it's so good for him for just burying the hatchet and and wanting to don the pinstripes. I'd love to see what we can get from him this year, but but that kind of does transition transition us into something that I, I did want to talk about before we we finish up here tonight. Is that again? It's very early in in camp, and roster decisions are, are weeks, uh, in fact, a month in the in the future at this point, right? But should guys like Jay Bruce or Dietrich or any number of pitchers, whatnot, you know? impress the Yankees are going to be hard pressed to, to keep a lot of guys on, on the roster because there's just simply not enough spots. And then we're talking about guys who don't have options either. I, I don't know about Ford. He may have an option left, but I know in particular, uh, Mike Talkman doesn't. And another guy who I wanted to mention, Albert Abreu, uh, this is a highly touted arm that we, we got when we traded Brian McCann to Houston hasn't ever really broken through. I mean, he has the high ceiling. He throws a hundred miles an hour, hasn't really developed the way the Yankees wanted to over the last four years. If he's not on the 25 man roster this year, the Yankees, they're going to have to cut him or trade him. So, I mean, what are we, what are we looking at? Are there, are there any names you guys have circled as potential risks to not make the opening day roster or potentially be moved before the end of camp? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think there are certainly um, like you said, you kind of covered, you know, Rayu and, and Talkman and Ford as the guys that are kind of uh, under pressure. Um, and I would say uh, maybe Tyro as well, uh, being that infielder, um, being, you know, a, a righty hitter, kind of being, uh, again, that utility guy that Tyler Wade kind of also fills the role of. Um, so I would maybe put him on that list as well. I think about Wade, I think he has one option left. So I know he would be livid if they sent him to to AAA this year, but if they but, absolutely no, I mean, had I, to, I think they could. Yeah, I was kind of comparing comparing Estrada to Wade and saying, you know, Wade obviously already kind of fills that utility spot that Estrada right, has, right. and he has more experience and is 
I think a little bit more valuable with his speed and his his versatility in defense. So mm-hmm. I think I think some of these decisions are going to come down to like I don't know familiarity. Like the Yankees might, you know, look to take some of the pressure off of these decisions by like oh it's a raw deal, but like you know Tyro Strad or whatever. Like you could you're going to go down to AAA for a little bit or like um, guys who. Um, might be on the cusp, but they have an option and someone else doesn't. Like, I think, you know, they like Talkman. He was bad last year. He was pretty good for a good stretch of time in 2019. So, like, I think because of that, even if he maybe doesn't hit, like, the far and away best, you know, they would try to keep him. Um, but I think it's going to be if if someone just flat out like outplays him, you know they're not that play. They're not gonna be playing every day anyway. But like if someone flat out outplays him, I think it's gonna be hard to warrant, you know, keeping him. Ford, especially too. We talked about those guys. You know who could possibly take his spot. Jay Bruce is an established big leaguer. Um, Dietrich, like you know, guys like Abreu, like the Yankees needed help in their bullpen last year. So like if Abreu just comes out and just shoves in spring training, then maybe he could find a roster spot. Like, I think, obviously you have to go out and earn it, but, like, I think if it comes down to it, like, they might just try. And that, you know, familiarity would help them in a close race. Yeah, so I'm on roster resource right now, so I'm I'm just going to go through the name, uh, the list of names. I'm really only going to focus on on players that, that anyone would recognize the name of, but players that have no options left and are on non-roster invite deals and have to make the camp or, or players who are already in the system and are out of options. Um, so the Yankees have to figure out what to do with them this year, either cut them or trade them. Uh, you can't, I don't believe you, you're allowed to trade a non-roster invitee. Um, they either make the team or they don't, but anyone who's in the system, you, you could trade. If not, you have to, to DFA them. Um, so Nick Goody, Tyler Lyons, Adam Warren. I know Nick Goody and, Ty- and Adam Warren, funny because neither of them were on the team uh, last year. Uh, the Yankees actually did sign Warren to a two-year deal. I think they cut him, and then they re-signed him again. Uh, they were on the team, obviously, previous years. Um, Goody recently pitched for the Rangers, I want to say, uh, and Adam Warren's coming off Tommy John surgery in 2019. Scroll up a little bit, and you have Asher Wojciechowski, Julius Chassin. Obviously, they're fringe guys to potentially make the back end of the bullpen or a fifth starter. Uh, but then you kind of get into the meat uh, of guys who really need to make an impression this year or risk getting cut. So Jay Bruce, Ryan Lamar, Socrates Brito, who actually have a cousin who goes to or used to, I mean, with COVID hasn't been able to, but big San Francisco Giants fan goes to all of their um, spring training every year at West. And he very familiar with this guy, Brito. And he said, he's, a very exciting prospect. Um, we haven't really seen him play much, but um, it's a guy to watch out for. Uh, Greg Allen just got passed through waivers today and reassigned. Um, they did cut him, or they, I should say they did DFA him, but he's now back with the team, at least through camp. Um, Tyro has has one option left, so if they need to push him down to the minors, they can. Amduhar has an option left. Uh, Derek Dietrich obviously needs to make the roster. Mike Ford has two options left, so they can have some flexibility with him, but then catchers, Rob Brantley, Robinson Chirinos, both uh, non-roster invitees, and you go up to the, the major league roster, 
And again, Albert Abreu is the, is the name that, that sticks out here. Other guys aren't at risk of missing the roster unless potentially Luis Sessa. Uh, maybe we think they, they move on from him. Uh, and, and that's really it outside of the guys we mentioned, right? So Talkman and, and, and I guess you could throw Higashioka on there, but I think he's firmly cemented on the roster after what he and did. And they're not getting rid of Sessa. They wouldn't have signed his ass to a $1 million deal if they were getting rid of him. Well, that was to avoid arbitration, right? So they could have gone to a hearing. And then had to yeah, had no, to kill lawyers like to, were... to pay him a hundred thousand dollars more. So I can't I mean, figure out if he's a a bad good pitcher or a good bad pitcher. Dude, he's uh, a really good bad pitcher. He's like a quadruple A. He's like a he's like a five A pitcher. He's like he's like I mean I've said this on the podcast before. He's like he just knows. He's like if if the game ever becomes a blowout in one way or the other, he's just going to get up and start throwing because he knows he's coming in the game. And that's all. That's all. It'll be, it'll be fun when we he's get into our, when we get into our bullpen trust list this year to see um, how he never breaks G's list, even if he's pitching <laughs> consistently in the sixth or seventh inning of, of important games and lock. <laughs> if he's sporting a, a 2.0 ERA in July, he, G will just hate him and just, there's no trust with Sessa ever. No, I mean, why should dude? He's been in the big league for like six years. He he hasn't broken anything beyond like mop up guy. So no, you're right. He has he has a very very high wall to climb over to even get in sight of the bullpen trust list. <laughs> he's been on this team since 2016, dude. That's insane, dude. He's one of those players that the you know fans hate him, and the Yankees just. I don't know if they love him, but they have a spot for him. They like him. They like him enough to keep him around, and the fans just hate that. Is he like the? Is he like the second longest tenured Yankee now? Oh God, there's no way that's up there. No, he's got to be up there though. Um, that's kind of alarming and upsetting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Garner is the longest by by far. Once you get past him, there's like. In terms of like big league service, yeah, because Judge and Sanchez both came up end of 2016. So if Sessa was on the roster early 2016, then he's got them beat. Uh, Chad Green was acquired in the same trade as Luis Sessa. I'd have to check to see when they made their their major league debuts, though. Yeah, Sessa debuted in uh, April of 2016. Yikes! Was he was he starting at that point? Um, I. I don't know. Let's see. I think see. they were both starters when they were acquired. With Luis Sessa, it's so funny. I still always think about how he was a highly touted Mets prospect, and I believe he was <laughs> a part of the trade package when when they acquired Cespedes from from Detroit, right? Which is just so. wild to think that a guy like that, a guy that G just ruthlessly shits on, was was traded for a, an All Star caliber slugger like you and when he was at the peak of his power i mean let's give me at least a a nugget of not blame here because like he hasn't he hasn't been <laughs> his, his production has not warranted your, your respect i, I get it yeah, yeah okay i, I don't want to be like, he you know, hates him and hopes he gets run over by a bus <laughs> yeah like i mean look kudos to him for carving out a role uh for himself and if he helps the yankees that's Really good. I will certainly give him credit, but like he's just been a pretty replacement level pitcher, and that's all. Yeah. So here you go. Here's the trade. It's Luis Sessa and Michael Fulmer for you on Cespedes. Fulmer. Jesus the Christ. the Tigers just can cannot hit on trades, can they? 
Dude, Tigers are just a disaster of an organization. But it's time. funny because that might have been a Dave trade, and he did a lot of good things for them in helping their major league roster. In this case, it was supposedly stocking the the, the farm system, which he left in ruins when he left anyway. And, Dude, and these two guys that's didn't the do the Dombrowski thing, though. He will go somewhere. He'll throw the money around. He'll... You know, and the teams usually do win a lot of games, but Lord, when it goes bad, and it always does because, <laughs> you know, it just, you, you leave, he leaves and he leaves the farm systems just like a shriveled, dead husk of nothing. Like, it's it's always bad. There's huge contracts and the farm system is just a train wreck. Dave Nebraska. Uh, tigers do have a bunch of nice arms, though. I mean, you know, Mize, Scooble, Matt Manning. So, at least on that front, they seem to be doing all right. Yeah, they had a, a lot of guys coming. It just seemed like every guy that they pulled out uh, in relief today were throwing 95-plus, right? Like, it's bad time. The, whoever their GM that was took over had to have undergone, like, a Herculean effort. And they still had, what, like, 30 wins in 2019? Like, <laughs> Did you say 30 wins in 2019 in 160-game season? <laughs> Maybe, um, dude, I tell you, there was a Tiger. There was a Tigers team, maybe like 2003. I believe it was the year before they got Bud Rodriguez. They won like 47 or something. It was 47 in 2019, so he was close. Oh, jeez. All right. So looking ahead to um, spring training, it's going to be very redundant. This this spring, obviously with with COVID protocols, the, the, the Grapefruit League has kind of split into the West coast of Florida and the East coast of Florida uh, and the Yankees playing in Tampa are on the West coast. So they'll play um, the Tigers, the Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Phillies and the Pirates on loop the entire year. It's going to be those five teams over and over again. So um, the Yankees played home today. They'll play at Baltimore tomorrow, home versus the Blue Jays on Wednesday at the Phillies on Thursday, home versus the Tigers on Friday. And then at the Pirates on Saturday, uh, obviously, we, we don't have release of, of who's going to be starting those games. Um, but this is the, the first part of spring training where <laughs> you just, oh, you're going to turn on the TV. Oh, cool. Baseball's on. And kind of whatever happens, happens, right? How about the Phillies? Joe Girardi getting the band back together. I mean. And it's already going exactly as you expect it to go. You got Ivan Nova out there. You got Didi. You got Torres. I mean, all our old friends. And I'm sure if Nestor Cortez doesn't make the roster, they'll scoop him up. <laughs> please. It's another guy please, that, that please scoop him up. <laughs> You're not feeling the Nestor Cortez Jr. love? No. No, I'm not. And you shouldn't either. A little brief nugget that I want to touch on. Yeah, uh, since we talked about it pre-game or pre-pre-game, pre-show. Um, the that we're still anticipating, we're still awaiting the spring debut of John Carlos Stanton. Yeah, that guy's a bum. A bum. He's a bum. I, I, I'm, I get suckered into this every year. Um, I, I've done a comeback player of the year uh, blog post a couple years in a row. I didn't do it this year because I'm usually pretty hit and miss. There's one guy who I'm like rock solid on, and then I just maloik the hell out of the other guys. I think I picked Severino last year uh, after he struggled in 2019. He missed most of the year of the injury. And then, of course, he had Tommy John. So I was like, 
the hell with that. I'm not doing that this year. Um, and had I had I done it this year, probably would have picked Stan again for like the third season in a row. Um, let's see what happens with with his his new training regiment. Uh, we saw what he was able to do in the playoffs last year. I mean, good vibes only, right? It's well, yeah. I mean, the vibes are very strong coming out of Yankee camp this year. I think. I mean, he's worth. He's that talented that he's worth getting excited about over. If it goes bad, then it's just going to be like, oh, it's the same old bullshit, like whatever. But like, it's worth. He's that talented. He had a 59 home run MVP season. Like, he is that caliber of player. And just because the Yankees have a bunch of other super talented players, you know, you could maybe lose track of it a little bit. But like, he's a really good player when he's healthy. And right, right. It, it's not like you know, like Cardinals fans shitting on Dexter Fowler because they thought he was going to be an All Star. It's it's <laughs> the guy who literally won the MVP. The year before we acquired him. Drag poor yeah. Justin Fowler into this. Anyway, uh, yeah, and you like like you guys said, you know, you know what you, you're gonna get with him when he's out there is you're gonna be get production. I mean, when he was able to to stay healthy that first year, he was tremendous. He basically carried that team for the better part of like two and a half months. I mean, yeah, he got shit, Gus, to your point. He got shit and still put up, like, 38 home runs that year. And, the so, fans and, and, and he played through an injury because we had no one else to play the outfield. And it's just about getting him out there and keeping him out there. So, you know, and, and hopefully this, this spring is the start of that. And as just, you know, to his credit, he was great in the playoffs and that was a huge breath of fresh air just because, you know, the Yankees fans exist for the playoffs. So, like, to have him finally get out there after all the injuries and all the bullshit, he got out there and raked in the playoffs. That was awesome. So more of that hopefully to come. And uh, something to be excited about was just his, you know, focus, you know, or the change in, you know, preparation, the change in workout regimen. Um, and I think it was... Brian Hoke had put up a video about this, you know, expanding upon it. They said, like, you know, you know, we had mentioned that he's, you know, doing more yoga and flexibility type stuff to maybe or hopefully like lessen the soft tissue and muscle injuries. And then Brian Hoke had said something to the effect of like, you know, focusing a lot less on, you know, lifting like an absolute motherfucker and just, you know, maintaining your strength rather than like you know like lifting like an absolute horse all the time like so just fingers crossed on that because it's a reason for hope yep all right well i think we'll uh we'll call this a show uh, great to have gus on again uh, snaps <laughs> fun thanks guys yeah we'll, we'll we'll definitely hope to uh to get you on some more again uh, and obviously we got some uh, some big things planned for for 2021 at the Bronx Hard Ball. So, Andrew, G, Gus, calling it a show tonight. Thanks for joining us, guys. Catch you next Good night, time. Y'all.